But I will talk about a little bit about football. This thing's on too now, right? Yes. Okay. I tend to wander around a little bit up here. So, so I probably could be heard without that. But anyway, today's, uh, today's message is, uh, well, first of all, I'll do this. Anybody know what this means? Besides, that's the number four. <laughs> Fourth quarter. See, we got enough people to watch football in here. Yeah, if you, and if you ladies, maybe you don't watch football, but uh, a lot of times you'll see uh, at the end of the third quarter, if you look at either sideline, sometimes both sidelines, so one team's probably trailing the other. A lot of the players will put up four fingers, saying like, now it's the fourth quarter, and we're gonna own the fourth quarter. They might be getting beat by two touchdowns, but they're gonna turn it around, and they're gonna own the fourth quarter, right? And obviously, as uh, Jerry and Ken already mentioned, this is the uh, last Sunday in 2018, so we're at the very tail end of this year. So this is the end of this year, and then there'll be a new year, which will begin on Tuesday. So it's the fourth quarter is the title of this message, Finish Well. Or finish strong if you prefer. It's the fourth quarter. It's well into the fourth quarter this year. And like I said, we watch football. A lot of teams hold that up like, hey, we, we might not have played so great up until now, but it's the fourth quarter. So we're going to turn it on. Or it's in a basketball game, it's the fourth quarter. So you're going to really finish strong. So it's the fourth quarter, so finish well. It may be the fourth quarter of some of our lives. For others that are in their teens or younger or twenties or thirties, it's not the fourth quarter of my life, they're old man. <laughs> but it is the fourth quarter of this age. Right? The fourth quarter of this age finished well. Finish well. And I usually watch mostly sports on television, as you guys probably all know. My wife watches a lot of Hallmark movies this time of year. That's why I tell people we have more than one television in the house. <laughs> because I'm not into the Hallmark movies quite as much as uh, Andy is. So uh, we have to have more than one TV in the house. But anyway, I watch, uh, I watch sports, mostly college sports. Don't watch the NBA anymore. That's, but I watch college athletics for the most part. But uh, ESPN runs these things every once in a while, you know, uh, SEC story about past stuff or 30 for 30s they call them and stuff like that. And there's a, another SEC story that premiered here in late December about the uh, 1964 Arkansas Razorback football team that was the only undefeated team in Arkansas football history. And it was entitled Before They Were Cowboys. And I'm neither an Arkansas football fan or a cowboy football fan. But it's about Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. 
head coach. They were both on that seniors on that 1964 Arkansas football team that went undefeated and won a national championship. So that whole thing was about how they met years ago underneath a coach called Frank Broyles and led the Arkansas football as seniors to their only undefeated season before they were ever known by most anybody in football to watch football on here, Jerry Jones and Jerry Johnson. And at the end of it, there, uh, Jerry Jones was talking a little bit, and he said, uh, Frank Broyles, their coach, always talked about the fourth quarter, and that's long before everybody pulled four fingers up. But, uh, and he said he used it as a, a metaphor, really, for the fourth quarter of life. You know, be prepared for the fourth quarter. Even though you're not as strong, you're fatigued in the fourth quarter, or if you're in the fourth quarter of your life, you know, you're not as strong anymore. Obviously, all my hair is falling out. Juan was nice enough, he was picking some hairs off the back of my sweater, because you know, you wear black, hopefully it thin. I look thinner in this sweater. <laughs> Because it shows up every piece of lint and every hair. I said, hey, if you're picking those off, put them back up here. <laughs> I mean, do a brother a favor, you know? But anyway, in the fourth quarter of your life, you're not, you're, you're more fatigued, everything hurts. I got bursitis in my right elbow a couple weeks ago. So it's, it's on the downside of it now, but it was hurting there for a while. But you know, same thing as the fourth quarter of the game. He did, uh, Jerry Jones was saying that, you know, as Coach Frank Brose was talking about fourth quarter of the game, fourth quarter of your life. And you're, like I said, you're fatigued, you're beat down, maybe not strong, things are whatever, but you got to persevere with your character as you learn through life struggles. <coughs> And he said, you know, how athletics and football are taught if they've learned those lessons. And really, I learned a lot of lessons playing athletics. You learn discipline, teamwork, things like that. So, fourth quarter of life, we're in the fourth quarter of this age. A lot of us might feel a little bit fatigued, right? A little beat down <coughs> by this world things like that, but we have to press on. So it's the fourth quarter, so finish well. First Peter, we'll be in First Peter a lot. Of course, we've been in First and Second Peter before, the epistles of John, the epistles of Paul, here and there, but uh, repetition is the key to learning, right? Mark Summers' mother phrased it a little bit differently. That's the way my mom said that phrase. Repetition is the key to learning, son. So, repetition, that same thing in sports. And I'll throw out a little Alabama reference since uh, they did win yesterday and Clemson won. So we got Clemson, Alabama four for the national championship game since they played in postseason the last four years straight. So anyway, they were doing an interview before the semifinal games with that uh, on ESPN again, 
that uh, Tua, I'm not even attempt to say his last name, the Hawaiian quarterback of the, uh, the Crimson Tide. The one thing I do like about that kid is he's a faithful believer. So, I mean, he uh, speaks his faith. But uh, anyway, they were interviewing him. Kirk Herbstreit, the ESPN, was doing an interview. And he's talking about his accuracy and his completion percentage and all that kind of stuff. He said it's just putting in the reps. He's talking about repetition. And even when you watch pro football, he said, man, how is that quarterback like a Peyton Manning or whatever? And they're so accurate with their passing, plus because they put in the reps. Right? In the offseason or in practice, they're putting in the reps. The receivers are running the routes. He's thrown into a spot, and they're working on their timing. They're working on different receivers have different breaks, different speeds, different things like that. So you have to put in the reps. Well, that's the same thing in our Christian walk. We got to put in the reps if we want to be successful. And putting in the reps is getting in this. Look, putting in the reps. First Peter 4 7. My dad had my iPad again, but I'm going to go old school and turn to the first references. First day of old school. I'm not going old school. We'll just start First Peter 4 verse 7. Since we're talking about the end of this year, the fourth quarter of some of our lives, the fourth quarter of this age, definitely. First Peter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, therefore, what's the old adage? You see the word therefore? Check and watch what is therefore. Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. You ever seen a picture they do a lot of stuff, and then they complain on how to do it. You know what I mean? So, be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So verse 7 starts off the phrase, The end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. So now what? Now what do we do? Romans 13, verse 11. 
bit there. Let's see how that fits together. Romans 13, verse 11.
Even now many antichrists have appeared. For this we know that it is the last hour. We get the point yet? <clears throat> Peter says, the end of all things is near. Paul in Romans says, you better know the time. James says, the coming of the Lord is at hand. John in his first epistle says, it is the last hour. We're in the fourth quarter. Now what are we going to do? We're in the fourth quarter. We're going to persevere. We're going to keep on keeping on. Got a little tired. A little worn down. Our hair is falling out. Mom can attest to. So what are we going to do? I typically don't do this. I'm going to move this thing out of the way. Got a little. Uh, I got a little carried away with the keywords here. So, but since I'm privileged once again to proclaim the prophetic word of God from this pulpit. When I was studying for this message, the P words kept popping off the pages, even in my peripheral vision. So I decided to go with this P, P thing here, P words. First Peter 1.13, back to First Peter. We'll down around First Peter. Well, first of all, we've already talked about it a little bit. Preparation. Putting in the reps. Right? You gotta prepare. You gotta practice. I know when I coached the sports at Grace Academy over here in East Range for about 15 years. That mainly in basketball, but I had a few baseball parents come out too. But mainly in basketball, my 15 years of coaching basketball, I know Jimmy dealt with it in his probably 30 years of coaching basketball. Yeah, parents come out and say, my boy wants to play college basketball, so what does he need to do to get a scholarship? You know, like you can just tell them certain things to do. You know, and you don't want, you want to let them down easy. I tend to be a little too, <laughs> too blunt or too honest or whatever. But, but I try to come at it in a, in a a soft way and say, you know, do you realize how many? I only coach boys' basketball, so I'm not, I don't talk about the girls, but so you know how many boys are playing high school basketball in the United States? You know, and then the number of men or males or boys that get college scholarships to play basketball, <coughs> very small percentage of those boys playing high school basketball that actually get a college basketball scholarship. You know. And I try to say, you know, it's easier, and I always try to tell them, it's easier for them to get academic money than it is to get an athletic scholarship. So why don't you push your son about keeping his grades up and having a 3.5 or 3.25, whatever, higher, GPA when he gets out of school and he's going well on the ACT and it's a whole lot easier to 
see all the stuff on TV and every 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 dad that likes to play golf wants his son to be the next Tiger Woods or whatever. They see all the sports and we lift up the athletes of the day, don't we? We like to we really care what LeBron James thinks about who's gonna be the next president of the United States. <laughs> what you think about that. But, you know, I mean, they interview them, they put them on television and, and all that kind of stuff, so. But they certainly aren't going to learn it by doing this. <laughs> right? Amen. See, we didn't have that when we were growing up, did we, Jim? <laughs> you know, I did, when I got home from school, I grabbed my, well, homework. Who said that? <laughs> Yeah, I did homework, but I had to finish my homework, and then I could grab my ball and go across, run across, live across the street from the junior high, and the next lot over was my elementary school. There was asphalt basketball courts over there, both behind both of them. But when I got home from school, if I finished my homework, I could grab, I could, hey, mom, I'm gonna grab my, okay, just be back before the dinner bell, or the light came on on the porch. But I didn't make it back for the time. But, so I grabbed my ball, put it over there, pound the asphalt. But you're not gonna get better at something by playing a video game on it. You know what I mean? <coughs> Doing that. That doesn't get you better, but putting in the reps will. Putting in the reps will. He come in here every Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and this part comes for less this morning. But uh, you come in here and listen, 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 listen every week. That's not putting in the rest. Yes, you get something out of it, hopefully, because the Word of God should be being proclaimed from the pulpit. But that's not the same as you. <coughs> Personally, of the P word, putting in the reps. You getting into this word. Prepare your mind. Preparation. Verse chapter one, verse thirteen of First Peter. You see that? It's the fourth quarter. So now what do we do? Prepare. Therefore. And better see what therefore is therefore. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. There's the first key word. Like I say, I may not ever do this again, but they get popping off the page. Yeah, so. Preparation. Prepare your minds. First Peter 1.13. Also, you can jump to chapter 3, verse 15. <coughs> But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready for being prepared to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Be prepared. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And keep sober there. What tense do you think that's in? Present active. <clears throat> keep on keeping on. 
Keep on being sober-minded. Keep on preparing your minds for action and being sober in spirit. Keep on keeping on. And of course, how do you prepare your minds for action? You gotta put in the rest. You gotta be in this book. Remember what Paul said in Romans about it. Might transform your mind. But you gotta be in his word. Prepare. But still that if you plan to fail, or if you fail to plan, excuse me, you're planning to fail. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. If you fail to prepare, you're going to fail. Second key word, purify your souls. 1 Peter 1.22 Since you have in obedience to the truth, since you have, in this, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, literally born from above, and that's in the perfect tense. Not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, to the living and enduring Word of God. Remember, we jumped over the first John there a little while ago. John talks about abiding in the Word. Right? Abiding in Him once again. How are you going to keep your soul purified or purify your soul? You got to put in the rest. You have to put in the rest. Prepare your mind to purify your soul. You have to abide in the word. Proclaim the excellencies. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, another people, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of who? Of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Remember Tim was talking about that earlier. Light and darkness. <coughs> and what was the one song we sang? Shout from the mountaintop. Go tell on the mountain. There. Thank you, Don. Go tell on the mountain. Right there, verse 9. It says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. That's why you're set apart. You're a holy nation, you're a royal priesthood, so you can proclaim His excellencies. Jimmy talks about that a lot in his. Uh, Prayers. I mean, 
He's asked to close the prayer cup, shouted from the mountaintop, proclaim His Excellency the King. Talk about Him. Proclaim His Excellencies. Let's do this in here. I don't know if it fits. First Peter two fifteen. Put to silence. We always talk about knowing and finding the will of God or knowing the will of God. For such is the will of God, verse 15, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. And in the ESV it says put to silence. That's why I got that P word. This is the NSV I'm renting out of, but in the ESV it says put to silence the foolish of ignorant men. Put to silence. So for such is the will of God that by doing right. And how do you learn to do things right? You got to put in the rest. Act 2 of the Alabama quarterback said his accuracy comes from putting in the rest. He throws it to the right spot because he's put in the rest before him. You have to put in the rest. Keep your prayers unhindered. You say, where do you find that one at? First Peter 3. First Peter 3, that's that one that a lot of pastors like to skip over that chapter. We'll go ahead and read that from the first verse just to get the setting on this one. <coughs> In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, and disobedient husbands, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Verse 7. So the husband's in here too. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Do you get that? Fellow heir of the grace of life that show her honor so your prayers don't get hindered. Both none of us want our prayers to be hindered. Pursue peace 
1 Peter 3.11, just skip down. Well, let's keep reading through verse 8. To sum up, all of you, Peter's saying he summed it up, and then he goes to two more chapters, but that's okay. <laughs> to sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Remember, we're proclaiming the excellencies of him. Right? So if you've got gifts, you're supposed to use it in service to others. Not supposed to use it and say, look how good I am. Proclaim the excellencies of him. Humble in spirit, verse 8. Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life, to love and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Pursue peace. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So do right. How we do right? Putting in the rest. Pursue peace with all men. Past time is past time. Where do you get that? 1 Peter 4, verse 3. We'll start in verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Verse 3. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and indomitable idolatries. Abominable idolatries. Excuse me. And in all of this, they're surprised you don't run with them into the same excess. This dissipation and they malign you, but they will give account to the him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. <coughs> for the gospel has for this purpose been preached to even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Past time is past time. So I was fortunate enough, uh, you know, my mom and dad, you know, uh, were believers, and so don't remember the first time I went to church, and uh, I was, I've been fortunate enough to not quote unquote go off in certain teen years, or whatever, early twenties, and sow my wild oats, whatever that is. 
post. But I still needed a savior. Right? I still was a sinful, wicked person that needed a savior. But if you had that in your past, the past is the past. Right? Past time is past time. So if you ask forgiveness for it, then let it go. And press forward. And don't let the evil one keep bringing it up. Right? Past time is past time. It's the fourth quarter. So we got to finish well. We can't think about how poorly we played in the first, second, and third quarter. Right? It's the fourth quarter. <clears throat> so finish well. The past is the past. And there's a proper time for exaltation. Proper time exaltation. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. And we're supposed to proclaim the excellencies of Him. We're supposed to use our gifts that He has given us. Right? To serve others. We're supposed to show hospitality without complaining. I got to do everything around here. Oh, I do. If I worship worship this, I'll I'll come back in the room or something and say, man, I got to do everything around here. I still get here when I said that. Because I don't do everything. <laughs> Proper time exaltation. First Peter 5, 6. Let's just start verse 1. Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Proper time exaltation. Not now, okay? Don't seek the glory now. Seek the glory at the proper time. Right? Suffering always precedes the glory. Proper time exaltation. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. 
but it's the fourth quarter. Getting near the end. The beat down. <coughs> Tired. So we gotta finish well. <coughs> Have to finish well. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, Yahweh, the God of all gods, the only creator of your son, Jesus Christ. What he's given to each and every one of us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given to us that if we will put in the rest and get in your word, it says he will guide us into all truth. We pray that each one of us here today would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Thank you.